here. Uh, and both of the times Ryan has been out of town, and uh, I know a lot of us are, are still uh, enjoying family and, and uh, enjoyed the holidays. I hope I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Um, so a lot of people are out of town, and a lot of uh, guest speakers are speaking this morning <laughs> across the country. Uh, this morning, um, I want to. I'm a little dis disoriented this morning because I, I lost my work, and I have four kids and, and a wife. And, and uh, when it's time to study or prepare for a message or anything, I have to get out of the house because there's so much distraction uh, at my house. And uh, yesterday, I didn't leave the house. So I was distracted all day. I mean, you know, it's a Saturday. We're having a good time. Kids are playing their new video games, the new Spider-Man game, the new Call of Duty game, all that fun stuff. And we're playing catch. And my wife's been wanting to watch Bird Box. And she, uh, <laughs> she convinced me to, uh, you know, Netflix and chill. And I was totally distracted. Uh, but, you know, we, I watched the, we watched the movie, and I, I actually really enjoyed it. Anybody see it yet? Yeah? <laughs> it was really cool. Um, and so uh, I started working, and then, and then we ended up going to Dunkin' Donuts, because that's like our favorite spot to get some, uh, uh, some drinks. Uh, I'll take Dunkin' over Starbucks any day of the week. I love their coffee. Uh, and then uh, my little one wanted a donut. So we went over there, and then we went back home, and we are just having a good time. I fell asleep. And I lost all my work, <laughs> and then I woke up this morning late, and then it, I realized it wasn't there. So I kind of wrote half of it down, and half of it's on my tab, but we'll, we'll make it, all right? We're going to make it through. <laughs> um, by the way, um, I don't know if you guys have heard my story, but I, I was here. I came into this church uh, almost exactly a year ago. It was a, I think it was a New Year's Eve, and um, my life was just... In, incredibly blessed by you guys. Uh, I don't know if you heard my story, but I, I grew up in church. I'm a pastor's kid, and I kind of left the faith and went through all the deconstruction. And, and you guys have really, um, just by being you, have just really helped me. This is what I needed when I came in here a year ago. And um, I'm glad to kind of step in. I, I try to come as much as I can. And um, hopefully I'll get my family up on a Sunday morning because we haven't really been gone, gone to church in a couple years. So they've gotten used to not to sleeping in on Sunday. Yes. Yeah. Well, the biggest one for me, um, growing up in a fundamentalist home, uh, church, um, and like really conservative was the fact that this is an affirming church. For me, that was something that I just uh, was part of the walls breaking down for me. And, um, and just when I came in here, just everybody was just so friendly and nice. And um, really, that's really what it was, you know. And, and, and for me, was the, the, the way you guys do church, the liturgy. Um, breaking bread every week. Part of what I, when I came back to the faith was an understanding of the Eucharist and the importance of the meal and, and, and having, sharing a meal with brothers and sisters who have different lifestyles than me, who are going through different things or different journeys in their life. Um, so understanding the meal and the fact that you guys do it every week was, was, was big. I love that. That's what I, when I, when I, like I said, when I came back, to the faith is when I understood the importance of it. 
And don't ever stop doing it every week. Take it seriously. It's so important. There's so many things going on when we partake in the Eucharist. Um, so, yeah, the, the style of worship and just the fact that, you know, uh, where you guys uh, stand. And just, I mean, it's on the sign on the, on the, on the corner there. All are welcome. And um, I just love that. Um, and like I said last time I was here, for recovering, you know, fundamentalist type of guy, it's, it just was big for me. I love it. So Ryan asked me to speak um, from the lectionary, and that's one thing I also really enjoy is that, you know, growing up in church, you, you just, you hear preachers come up with sermons out of left field, and they, it's just all over the place, right? They grab a, a portion of, of scripture, and they proof text it, and they make it sound however they want, and, you know, you can come up with a million different sermons based on anything. But I love that you guys actually follow the lectionary, that Ryan incorporates the church calendar into um, the liturgy. I love that. And so today's text is, is Luke chapter 2, verse 41. And it's not something that I would normally like go to, oh, I'm going to preach on this. <laughs> it really, it just, it's a story. And um, it's, an, it's a really interesting story. So let's read it. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 41. And it says, now every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up as usual for the festival. When the festival ended and they started to return, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents did not know it. Assuming that he was in the group of travelers, they went a day's journey. Then they started to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, child, why have you treated us like this? Look, your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. He said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother treasured all these things in her heart or kept them in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in years and, his, and, his, and in divine and human favor. The word of the Lord. Uh, let's pray. Lord, loving God, hear now our prayer as we open our heart to the wisdom of your word. Speak to us both what we need and what you wish to show us by your spirit. May we be attentive to your voice so we may truly walk the Jesus way, we pray. Amen. So part of our family tradition, we're just coming off of Christmas. Um, by the way, who was here for the Christmas Eve service? It was beautiful. I loved it. It was wonderful. Um, we had a great time, and I asked my kids, uh, we were here in the front row, came a little late, and I asked them how they liked it, and they said it was actually really cool, um, which is good to hear because, we, like I said, we haven't been in church for a couple of years, um, so they had a great time. 
Um, but part of our family uh, Christmas tradition, I'm an only child, but my wife has three other siblings, um, two sisters and a brother. And part of their, their tradition, which obviously is mine now, um, is that we go to each other's houses to decorate. Um, you know, all the decorations and the Christmas tree, and then we have food, uh, either catered or, or homemade. Um, and then we just hang out, we decorate, and we watch movies. And when it's at our house, our movie, we always watch, it, like it's not, a, Christmas isn't official for us until we watch Home Alone. How many of you guys love Home Alone? Like, this is a movie that we never, ever get tired of. I mean, you can watch it, I mean, I mean I've watched it a hundred times, at least hundreds of times, and it's never, it never gets old, right? It's like always fun. And uh, how many of you guys seen the new Google ad with the new, <laughs> with the new uh, story with Macaulay Culkin as a, as a grown-up? And he's doing all the scenes, he's jumping on the bed and he's shaving, but he's talking to the Google Home device to remind him, you know, to go get shaving cream or what, what have you. Um, but that's our favorite movie, and, and you know, we watch that. There's three movies that we really love. is Home Alone, um, The Mickey's Christmas Carol, the 1983 one. It's like the best one. Like that will literally just tell you everything there is to know about Christmas in 20 minutes and make you cry. It's like the best. The Mickey's Christmas Carol cartoon, and then we watch It's a Wonderful Life. Um, so those are like the movies we kind of rotate through. Um, but Home Alone is our, is our jam. And I think everybody has a, a, a being lost story. Does anybody have a like being lost story? Like either you were lost, or um, you know you lost somebody. <laughs> Growing up, I I was told by my dad when he lost me at the at the mall. Uh, I think it was Fallbrook. I remember. I don't know if it's even still around. Fallbrook Mall is still around. Oh, okay. There was like a Burlington Coat Factory before or something. Yeah, my dad lost me there. I mean, um, I don't know, I must have been like six or seven years old. No, I think I was a little older than that. But anyways, I used to run around in the, in the clothes and hide, and then they lost me. Um, but uh, I lost one of my kids at Disneyland. <laughs> So this is when uh, my wife was pregnant with our fourth child, and uh, I took my two older ones, and then the little one, Noah, uh, he must have been about three years old at the time. And I went with my brother-in-law, actually he wasn't even my brother-in-law yet, he was dating my sister-in-law. And um, we went to Disneyland, we're having a good time with my, with my three kids, and we go, uh, now we're still not clear on who's, fault this was or how the story or how this all happened. By the way, when you lose a kid, whose fault is it? Is it the kid's fault for wandering off or is it the parent's fault? So, <laughs> the dad. <laughs> Mary and Joseph, this was your fault, right? For losing Jesus. I don't know. It's a little bit of both, I think. Um, so we were, uh, you know, that area across from Autotopia, that the, you know, where they do the Jedi training thing, this little food place there. So I think I'm getting food, and I think we, we kind of take a, a seat. So like, okay, I think you guys stay here. I'm going to go get the food. I don't know what happened, but I come back, and Noah's gone. And he was gone for about, uh, I'd say, five minutes, maybe five to seven minutes. And those five to seven minutes felt like an eternity. You come back and like, where is Noah? And, and I just freaked out. I'm like, everybody, we got to find him. 
So I started going towards, uh, you know, the, the dory uh, thing, um, the submarine thing towards the, the Manahorn. I'm looking that way and I'm just, you know, there's people everywhere. It's just, it could be anywhere. And um, my other daughter and my uh, brother-in-law went to the right towards like Star Wars. And after five minutes, we found him. He was actually right next to us. There was, I don't know if he's still there, but there was a little gift shop like right next to that little spot. I don't know if they, it was hats or something. And he was in there just looking at the toys and playing around. <laughs> but those, like I said, those five minutes of losing him, my heart just dropped. And then, so I think the rest of the day, we're thinking I was bribing the kids not to tell their mother what had happened. <laughs> and sure enough, as soon as we got there, Dad lost Noah. <laughs> I looked up. I looked up the, um, the the capacity of Disneyland, and on any given day, I think it'll hold about eighty-five thousand people at Disneyland. Uh, Include and then. If you add staff, that's another about 10,000. So if you can imagine, you know, these, you're, just, you're just people and you, you're trying to find like a needle in a haystack. So when we read this story, as a parent, I can kind of relate. Um, but how do you lose a kid for three days? <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and like I said, whose fault is that? <laughs> is it the kid, the parents, maybe a little bit of both. So it's very easy to uh, miss this story, as Luke is the only gospel writer who even mentions this. And in a lot of the gospels, we don't really know anything about his childhood, only in kind of this story. So we kind of get a, a picture of the young man Jesus was, a little, um, I don't know what the word is. Uh, help me find a word to describe him. He, rambunctious little guy? <laughs> Curious? Yeah? So, um, but if we, if we pay attention to Luke's writing and his, his gospel, uh, his, in particular his gospel, there's some things to just really think about and ponder. And um, a little context on, on, on the trip to Jerusalem itself will, will help us out a little bit. So this trip, as the scripture said, was made every year. So, you know, they probably were used to this trip. Um, and by the way, it's an, it was estimated that anywhere from 300 so 500,000 people would make this sort of pilgrimage to Jerusalem from the region um, for these festivals. In particular, there was three festivals that you would actually travel to Jerusalem to, to partake in. Um, the three main ones were uh, Sukkot, Sukkot is the Feast of Tabernacles, um, Shavuot, which is the Feast of Weeks, and of course, the Passover being the biggest. So the city would have been absolutely jam-packed with people during this time and um, during the festival. So uh, the trip from Galilee is about 90 miles um, and would have taken upwards of a week to make, traveling from Nazareth down to Jerusalem. It's about 91 miles, and it took that long because they usually would have tried to avoid Samaria. Uh, that's just an area where you just, they just didn't get along with, they just avoided. Kind of like how, you know, growing up in the neighborhood, we used to avoid Pacoima <laughs> at all costs. <laughs> um, some of my family is, uh, they used to gangbang from San Fernando, so 
one of my cousins got jumped and it was just never mind <laughs> it's just one of those areas that you just wanted to avoid um, so it would take a little bit longer so by the time they realized it it was already a day uh, that they realized oh my gosh where's Jesus so now you may be thinking still like okay how do you go a day well in Jesus's town, they say it was about maybe 500 people or so in the town. So in a small town like that, obviously everybody knows each other. Everybody's friends and there's relatives. So when you would make that pilgrimage, you would travel in a large caravan of people. So it's safe to assume that Mary and Joseph thought he was with, as the scripture says, that he was with relatives or family or friends. So after they've searched and they realize that he's not with them, they head back to Jerusalem. So they finally realize that he's not with them after a whole day's journey, and they return to Jerusalem to find him where? Where do we find the young Jesus? He's in the temple. And he gives, uh, I think this is probably one of the first, I think this is the, this is the first of his many, uh, almost like a rebuke, kind of rebuking his mom, like, where do you think I would be? Like, hello? Like, where you thought I was swimming or something, or at the local, you know, swimming pool or whatever? But he gives these cryptic sort of questions and responses and, uh, throughout the Gospels, and this, I think this is the first one. Where he's like, well, where did you think I would be? Right? What does he say here? Um, he says, why were you searching for me? <laughs> I find that funny. Like, why were you even looking for me? You didn't know where I was going to be? And uh, he said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. And I find this very interesting because how many times in the Gospels do we hear Jesus speaking with his disciples and people around him, and he always tells them, you, you just don't get it. You don't understand yet. You're not seeing it for whatever reason. They just, you know, there, there's countless times in the scriptures where he's like, you're not understanding what I'm doing. And, you know, and as we read the Gospels, we know that he teaches in parables and tells stories so that they can sort of understand it. But then the story just sort of ends. Um, but they did not understand what he said to them. And then he went down uh, with them and came back home, and he was obedient to them. And then it just basically says that he grew up and started to grow. But it also says his mother stored up all these things in her heart. And... Um, you know, that's kind of what I want us to think about uh, as, we, as we go forward today um, and into this new year is, is the importance of storing up these things in our heart. Like Mary and Joseph, we may not quite understand what Jesus is trying to tell us or what he's trying to teach us, but let's store up these things in our heart. Let's continue to ponder them, to think about them. Now, Luke uh, is one of my favorite gospel writers. It's probably my favorite. But he places the story um, at the beginning of his gospel. And there's a similar one at the end of his gospel in, in Luke uh, chapter 24. 
And I want to read something from a book here um, called Jesus, a Theography by Frank Viola and Leonard Sweet. Very brief. It says, there are echoes in this story of the burial and resurrection of Jesus. In both cases, Jesus was lost, and three days later, he was found. Luke uses the phrases, after three days, and the third day to describe these events. Jesus' response in both situations were similar. Why do you seek me, or why are you looking for me? And who are you looking for? In uh, Luke chapter 24, when he's on the road to Emmaus. And in both cases, we have women remembering the event. The first, his mother kept all these things in her heart, and after, and they remembered his words. Luke seemed, to, Luke seemed to see this story as an anticipation of the resurrection. So at the latter part of the book, we have uh, the road to Emmaus story where two disciples are leaving Jerusalem on a journey to Emmaus, and it's the third day. And Jesus has been, obviously, has been executed. They're just totally bummed out. Like, man, we thought he was the one who was actually going to liberate us and, and bring forth this, this, uh, this peace that they had been expecting throughout the scriptures. So they were just bummed out, just down, heading back to whoever, wherever they were going, uh, down to Emmaus. And, um, but they are joined on this journey by a mysterious stranger that we know to be Jesus. But they fail to recognize him, or they just they don't get it yet. They don't understand that it's him. And even though Jesus is explaining the scriptures to them on this road, on this journey back, they still don't get it. He's actually telling them all these things had to happen, and it was the fulfillment of scripture, and they just didn't understand and what's, what happens is the, it's only when Jesus joins them for a meal, right? If you read the end of that story, he joins them for a meal and breaks bread with them that their eyes are open and they recognize him. By the way, the importance of the meal in the Gospels is huge. Um, every time you see Jesus doing something, a lot of times, it, especially in, I think in Mark, where there's a lot of bread breaking, a lot of eating, a lot of partying. You find Jesus at a, at a banquet, at parties, and breaking bread. Back then, uh, there was a social order, so you couldn't just, you know, like how we do today, just have a meal with anybody. You had, like, there was roles of importance, and you didn't just eat with anybody. And when you did eat with somebody, it meant that you were in agreement with them, that you uh, sort of had a relationship with them. So, a lot of this is a little side note, but a lot of the a lot of great things happen at the meal table in the scriptures in the gospels. But in this story, at the end, it's when they finally have a meal with Jesus, and they finally their eyes are open. They recognize that it's Him. So, as we start to wind down, I you know we look at the scripture, the reading for today. What is Luke trying to tell us here? What's going on here as he as we read this? Um, by framing the gospel with this story of him being lost for three days and then found, and then at the end where they thought they had lost Jesus and um, they thought all was over. 
and they realize that he's actually still here. So I think what's happening here, and this is what I got out of it, is that this gospel is for those of us who are seeking Jesus, right? Joseph and Mary were literally looking for him, seeking him. Um, the disciples, they thought all was lost, and they were still like, man, we, we, still, you know, we thought it was him. We, they were still, in a, in a sense, seeking Jesus. Um, and, a lot of, and the next point is that a lot of times we just fail to understand. We just can't see it sometimes. We don't really understand what's going on or why these things happen. You know, in this case, these guys were in total despair, and they just couldn't understand what was happening. A lot of, a lot of bad things happened to us. You know, we had a challenging year in my family. Um, but sometimes it's on those dark, lonely roads that we find Jesus with us, right? Where we feel all is lost and, and all hope is gone. He's there with us on that road. And sometimes we can't even realize it. Third thing is to ponder these things in our hearts. Uh, when you read that story in Luke, uh, the, the last chapter, it says as Jesus was speaking, the, the, uh, it says that their hearts burned within them at the words that he was saying. And then we know that Mary stored up all these things in her heart. So continue even when the road is, is, is dark or you feel you've lost Jesus or continue to keep it in your heart. Continue to ponder these things. Continue to let it burn within you. And lastly, ultimately, our eyes are open, especially as we come and we break bread. As I mentioned in the beginning, it's so important that we incorporate this act of breaking bread together and we understand you know, the importance of the bread and the wine. And then our eyes are open. So that's why Luke, I believe, is telling these stories. So that, we, so that we who are seeking Jesus, who feel that we may have lost him at times, will have our eyes opened as we are open to him to ponder and to have these meals. Amen. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that you have never left us nor forsaken us, even at times where we may feel we have lost you. We thank you that you still are with us no matter what, and that you love us no matter what we've done or how many times we've lost you. As we go into this new year, may our hearts be open to you and to what you are doing. Help us to be your hands and feet in this world for our neighbors and that those that we may come across. Help us to remember all these things and to ponder them in our hearts, like the text today. And may our eyes continually be open to see the need in the world that you have called us to. We thank you and we love you. Amen.